0: Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Good morning, Grace Avenue Church fam. How are you doing today? I'm excited to be with you this morning. You took a boat here, you put on your life jacket, you... uh and i I'm really surprised honestly I don 't know what it is about San Antonio, but people some people will look out and say, "Oh, there's clouds, we can't go to church today, and then they just close the the curtain so uh, you guys, obviously, you really love God and you really love each other and you really love what you're called to so it's great to be here this morning uh, you know I, I don't feel bad when people and, uh, stay home i don't feel bad for people because I have friends who have planted churches in Places like Toronto where there's borderline blizzards that they're fighting to get to church. And their whole team is setting up and tearing down in a borderline blizzard. And here we are in San Antonio with, oh, there's a, some rain clouds. I don't know if we can go today. But uh, you guys made it, so that's good news. Hey, today, um, we're, I guess it's official that summer's over. Kids are back at school. Some of you are back at school. Some of you have been out of school for 20 years, so it's all been to work anyway. But uh, we're in a new series that I'm starting today called Table Talking. Let me give you my heart for this as we kick this off today. Uh, As our church continues to grow and as we just continue to see increase in so many different uh, arenas of of involvement and attendance, and as we're thinking through all the different ways in which we can facilitate people knowing Christ and growing in Christ, uh, I wanted to come back to the heartbeat of what it is uh, for each one of us individually uh, no matter w- w- whether the church was uh, 10 people in a living room or 100 people in a movie theater or now that it's hundreds of people coming over three services, um, I want us to keep the same theme in our lives when it comes to what we're called to do, what's really, really important. So let me, let me start by saying that uh, this series is called Table Talk. And I call it that because all throughout Scripture, we see this consistent theme of uh, feasts, and eating, and banquets, and tables, and I don't know, it just sounds like God really loves to party. I, and I just think he's Hispanic, personally. I really think that he's just from a Hispanic lineage that loves to to eat, and, and drink, and hang out. And for some reason, there's con- this constant beautiful theme of uh, how Scripture ties in the heartbeat of God to Uh, relationship over a table. This powerful symbolism, it's something that Jesus invites us into and then something where a transaction takes place, and it's something that, that Jesus calls us to invite others to experience. So it's not just eating for the sake of eating, which that's kind of fun, but it's also something's happening at this table. So when you look at Scripture and you look at the stories of Jesus doing the miracles, it usually happened around a table. And after it happened, or the miracle happened, then he went to a table. Or after somebody's life was changed, and he spoke into their life, he says, let's go to your house and hang out there. And what were they gonna do? They were gonna eat together. And it's a powerful example when you see what, what God is saying here, that he's not coming at us from this high and mighty position where he's looking down at us and distancing himself from us. He came down to us, to be with us, to, to fellowship with us, and to grow in this relationship where he literally uses the symbolism of a table where an exchange is taking place. See, tables uh, signify all kinds of things, uh, even today, where important things happen, right? Tables uh, then were important, tables are important now, right? When you sign a lease, you usually do it at a table. When you buy a car, you do it at a table. Even if it's a desk, it's still a table, Right? Uh, when you sign your life away on a house or you sign away for a loan or you're uh, signing up to take a job somewhere or start a new career, whatever it may be, it's usually happening at a table. Tables are places where we're fed. We're fed information. We're also fed naturally. Tables are places where relationships are strengthened. Conversations happen. and Tables are places where celebrations also happen. All of this is natural for us, but all of this is also a supernatural and a spiritual picture of what we see happening in Scripture. So let me summarize it by saying what we see when we see that is is two things. It's relationship and exchange. Relationship and exchange. Relationship with someone and an exchange taking place between us and the person across from us. Particularly Jesus, seems to be around food and a table all the time. Luke 5, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners at the home of Levi, Luke chapter five. Uh, and Luke 7, he's anointed by a woman in the home of Simon the Pharisee during a meal. Uh, Luke 9, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Luke 10, Jesus eats in the home of Mary and Martha. Luke 14, Jesus shares about the parable of a large banquet where he's urging people to invite the poor rather than their friends. In Luke 22, we're reading the account of the Last Supper. So we see that even in in Jesus' final moments, he was gathered around people where relationship and exchange is taking place. Are you following me this morning? When we look far into Revelation and we see uh, the end picture of what this all ends with, it's what we call the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? you see that there's this banquet that's going to take place. It's powerful. Relationship in exchange. So think about this in the sense that when Jesus was teaching, he, he even referenced this phrase, give us this day, when he taught his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Knowing that a relationship would have to take Place between us and food, knowing that we needed to be strengthened that way, but also knowing that spiritually and supernaturally, we were to give thanks for that, that we were to have a relationship where an exchange takes place between him and us, where there's a gratitude for the things that we've been given, for what God's placed into our hands, for what God's placed into our lives. Give us this day our daily bread. See, it's, it's more than what we need that day. It's Daily bread and, and our gratitude for it is shaping what our dependence is really all about. We're, we're thankful for the job, but the job provides the daily bread. The daily bread is what we're supposed to be grat- uh, have great, uh, gratitude for. A, a sense of gratitude that, that we're thankful for what God has provided. And in the same way, that relationship and that exchange is taking place. Now, here we have a table, and it's just a simple table. It's not an expensive table, Okay. This is a, a very inexpensive table with a tablecloth and two chairs. And I, wanted to, I, I didn't want to, to use a prop where there was a giant, expensive, uh, $10,000 gold-plated, probably be more than $10,000 if it was gold-plated, gold-plated uh, table uh, to, to kind of show you that this exchange, that there has to be this perfect setting. I just wanted you to see, even physically, a simple table not just for budget reasons here at Grace Avenue Church, but for the reality of the simple fact. I really did. I really wanted a simple table. Something simple that we can sit at where Jesus gives us the picture of this exchange, exchange that's taking place with this relationship, where he is in the midst of everything we're doing, where he's in the midst of what we're walking through. See, what I want to point us to in this series and table talk is how our relationship is with him. The stress and the anxiety and the pressures that I see people walking in and through and under. Janelle and I have been talking, the the sense of feeling overwhelmed, It's, it's at an astonishing rate right now. Like I know we're all adults now. We're all adulting, right, at a whole new level. Kids, loans, bills, careers, But it seems there's that common theme of feeling overwhelmed. And I came from an environment, in a Christian environment where many times people would just tell you to have more faith or to stay strong or to believe more. But I see that even at times, Jesus was overwhelmed. (laughs) Felt pressures. Felt tremendous pressure not just at the time when he was in the garden in his last moments, but but even throughout times where he would disconnect from ministry and disconnect from people altogether, from the responsibilities of what he was expected to do, and he would pull away to have relationship and exchange with his father. What was it about that moment that was so beautiful to Jesus that he wouldn't see it as obligation, but he would see it as opportunity? That he would see it as so important that even the thing he's really good at, even the thing he's successful at, even the thing that people expect him to do, he's willing to lay that down to go and be with his father. Where relationship and exchange can take place. See, I I know that we're in a busy world. We're all busy. You're busy. I'm busy. Every single one of us is busy. (laughs) That's kind of our code of conduct. That's kind of like our, our pass. Come on, like it's true. All of us to some degree, if someone calls us, invites us out, and you know we're wiped out or whatever. We just had a long week or it's been a long month or we're going through stuff. It's a free pass when we say, man, we'd really love to, but we're just really busy, right? We don't have to give excuses. We don't have, we don't have to tell them why. We can just say we're busy, And all of a sudden, hey, it's a path. Oh, no problem. Well, maybe in the future we can get together or something like that. And then we kind of just back off from the situation. The problem is we can say that to anyone and everyone regarding life, but when we are communicating that through our actions and our relationship with God, something's off. Because the primary reason we've been created is to know and love God, to know Christ and to grow in Christ. And nothing suffers more in our relationship with God than busyness. The problem is we're all going to stay busy because we want a full life. I'm not saying unbusy yourself. I'm just saying where is the margin? Where is the rhythm for relationship and exchange? Where do you find that space and protect that space and keep that space? How How does it develop into a rhythm where your natural life is living from a supernatural place? Because of relationship and exchange. Psalms 23 verse 5 says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table for me. Isn't it interesting that he said you prepare a table before me? Like he, he, he didn't. He didn't say. You know. You provide for me a bazooka in the presence of my enemies, right? Like he, he didn't set something out where if our enemies are with us, we can blow them away with a bazooka, right, or the rocket launcher, right? He says you prepare in the presence of my enemies, those who are against me, those things, those pe- uh, those people, the, those things which are set against me. You prepare a table for me. In their presence, I'm at a table. Which goes to show you that even in the presence of our enemies, there can be relationship and exchange with God. People set against us, things happening to us that aren't fair, things that are unjust, things that haven't happened. God's asking for relationship and exchange. Even in those moments, we feel that we have enemies. See, the interesting thing about enemies is, uh, you don't have to try hard to make them, just live life trying to accomplish something and they'll knock on your door, right? If you've led to any degree <laughs> with intentionality in your life, somehow, some way, <laughs> you'll find some enemies. Enemies of your personality, enemies of your look, at, uh, outlook on life, enemies of your choices, enemies of your relationship that you're in now, enemies of whatever you may be pursuing Uh, enemies of your faith, uh, enemies of your optimism, enemies of your choices. A lot of times these are coming from places with people and we're asking God, why don't you change them? And God's calling us to the table in the presence of our enemies. Sometimes the enemies aren't people. Sometimes the enemies are the anxiety that we feel. Sometimes the enemy is the stress we're not supposed to be carrying. Sometimes the enemy is not a devil with a pitchfork and horns, but an overwhelming sense of mistrust that God has this situation under control, that I can trust him with my life, that I can come. And at the table, there can be a relationship and there can be exchange. Where his grace at that moment covers my fears. Where his grace covers my life. He says, you set a table for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, the perfection that we're all trying to achieve. You know, the the, the perfection that we put out there for everyone to see. Which I don't think is so bad because nobody wants to see you when you wake up out of bed in the morning and have you put that on Instagram. So we all put our best out there. But still, deep inside, have you ever felt, just by the comparison of how your life measures up to other lives, that there's a sense of inadequacy, that somehow they're further along or they're better than you, and it doesn't matter how much you have or how far you've come, there's always someone who's a little bit further along than you. I got my degree done in three and a half years. Oh, really? I got it done in two. What? How did you do that? (laughs) like, is that even possible? Well, I did it. Oh, you know, (laughs) thought it was amazing. You know, like there's a sense, oh, I paid my car off in five years. I paid it off in three. Oh, what? So if someone says, I'm still paying it off 20 years later, you feel really good about yourself. Someone else who's further along than you, you can almost kind of sense that. Like you ever just do this to yourself when maybe you're in your 20s or you're in your 30s and you see that someone finished school at this time, or that they were married by this age, or they had a, a kid by this age, or they were stepping into a career at this age, or they were making this amount of money at this age, and you just you go, how old were you, 26? And you realize you didn't do that until you were 27 or 29. Or you start to sit back and think somehow that that's the standard. Or you find someone that you admire. Or you find somebody that you really admire. It could be anybody, an artist, a celebrity, a musician, a, author, somebody that's a a business person, an entrepreneur, someone achieving something, maybe you're entrepreneurial, the individual that you admire is an entrepreneur, and and you start to realize that, man, by 30 years old, they did this, and then you just start to gear your life up, man, by by 30, I've got to do this. Why? Because so-and-so did it, and, and it's possible. My question is, what has God said about your journey at the table? What exchange has taken place? Because has he put that pressure on you or have you put that pressure on you? Because at the table, he'll liberate you from the expectations of others. He'll liberate you from the expectations that you have of yourself. The false expectations, the false pressures, living up to what parents wanted you to do or parents who didn't do what you wish you would, they would have done. Now you feel you have to accomplish that. Because they never did. They could never take care of money or their relationships or think long-term. Or that's all they thought about. So you're never going to do that. Are you with me this morning? See, relationship and exchange is the place where God not only shows us His heart and invites us into, it's the place where we heal. See, Sunday, we're so encouraged we're so encouraged by the word and we're so encouraged by worship, but this doesn't have to be the only place where we come to the table to experience God. It can happen in our daily life. Every man needs this, every woman needs this. My little daughter, right now, she's um, a little over a year old, and uh, she's just like a NASCAR driver on all fours. She's everywhere. Like, we cannot corral this kid. Um, I I think that because she was laying in the NICU for (laughs) a couple of months, like, she's doing double time now and saying, I'm just going to go everywhere. I missed out, so I'm just going to go everywhere. So she's in the kitchen, and she's sticking her hand in the dog bowl in the water and reaching for her mouth, and I'm pulling it away, and then she's getting dog food and trying to throw it, and then she's under the table, and then she's around. She crawls under the coffee table. She... There's a seat that we have. Somehow she crawls through the the angle of the seat, over the seat. She goes into the kitchen. She goes to the front door. She comes into my office. I've got some vinyl. I like to collect vinyl. right? She's pulling my vinyl records off the shelf, and I'm like, okay, well, there'll be a time for that. But now is not the time because you'll ruin them, right? She's everywhere, and I can't seem the, the only place. If we put her in a chair that's like the bouncy chair, she's done with that. She'll throw a fit. If we sit her in that chair that one of was telling you that she crawls through and she, she tries to lay down in it, she'll keep pulling herself up to sit up and be like, get me out of this chair. She can't say anything yet, but basically by her blood-curdling screams, that's what she's communicating to us. As she just looks at us with this tortured face and screams at us, which basically means, come get me out of this thing. The only way we can seem to corral her and calm her down is when we sit her at the table in her high chair, and through the manipulation and the bribing with snacks, we calm her down and the spirit of God comes upon her. (laughs) She becomes a holy child for at least 15 minutes. She sits at the table. I I often wondered, like, (laughs) I wonder if that's how God often sees us. He can't pin us down. We're we're crawling everywhere, achieving, exploring, excited, building, growing, establishing, doing all these things. And the only time he can get a hold of us is this short window of time where, where we can focus. And what does he want? Relationship and exchange. Relationship. An exchange will take place. His love for me, my love for him. His belief in me, my belief in him. My gratitude for who he is and what he's done. See, relationship and exchange works like, works like this. We see in scripture it tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. See, when we come into his presence, we begin with thanksgiving. When we sit at the table, this is the easiest place to start. We enter his gates. We come into his presence. We come to the table with thanksgiving. We thank him for what he's done. We thank him for the daily bread. We thank him for the life. We thank him for the health. We thank him that we're overcoming. But we come into his courts. We go deeper into his courts with praise. We praise him. What what is that? It's acknowledging who he is just for who he is not what he's done for us. Let me ask you that question again. Does coming to the table for you this morning feel like an obligation or an opportunity? Because maybe it's time to switch things around and say, this is not another thing to put on the task list. This is not another thing to feel guilty about that you're not doing enough of. This is not another thing like, I don't get enough time with the kids, and I didn't spend time with the dog, and that poor dog's been in the cage for eight hours, and now I didn't do this. It's just a list of like, the the fuller your life, the less margin there's going to be. And I'm not saying live a small life. I'm not saying don't live a life that reaches and achieves and dreams and, and doesn't grow and doesn't. Uh, shoot for impact and influence and and, and changing, building and establishing. Like, do, do everything that God has placed in your heart that you know is from him. But here's the the thing I want to ask. Does it feel more like obligation than it is opportunity? Like I got my wife. We went to dinner last night for her birthday. And imagine if I'd have been like, well, you know, I, I really have church in the morning. I really, I guess I'll take you out. You know, let's let's go. You know, I mean, that would feel like an obligation. It would feel like I'm, I'm doing something because I kind of am obligated to. I feel like I have to. How does it make the other person feel? I, I don't want all that God's done for me. I don't want him to feel like he's an obligation. I, I want to catch myself in those moments. What would keep Jesus going back to spend time with the Father when he could have been busy doing more for people? more in life, more to spread his influence, even more to spread the gospel, even more to change lives. What would keep him from doing that, where he would pull away and go to the table with God? What would keep him? What was it about what he was getting from the Father that would cause him? See, some of us are sitting at the wrong tables, and we're getting filled with stuff that doesn't fill we're sitting at tables with wrong relationships, and they don't fill. And so we try another one. With entertainment that doesn't fill. Like I'm, I'm all for the Netflix binge, right, of the series. Once you start hour one, okay, it's, why is it three in the morning? I'm a grown man. I should not be here at three in the morning. I have a meeting in the morning. Like I understand. There's times for that. And then there's the reality of where our focus needs to be. What's really going to fill us? I almost feel sometimes like we're, we're afraid to just take the word of God, a, a, an old school, real word of God, and just open it up and begin to just let the words of Jesus in the gospels begin to wash over us and saturate us and fill us. And teach us about who he is. In turn, teaching us about who we are. In turn, teaching us about what he's calling us to. See, in relationship with the word, in relationship with worship, there's an exchange taking place. It's a sacred exchange and it's a holy exchange. And I I often think, is is this so distanced from our lives? When, When Jesus said that at the table, you thank him for the daily bread, but he also says, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the what? From the mouth of God, from the heart of God. Are are we getting from God the nourishment that we need? See, at the table, nourishment takes place. But the tables that we set up for ourselves, are they meant to nourish? Is the table of entertainment meant to nourish? Is the the table of busyness? Is the table of achieving? Hey, those things, man, they, they win on the scoreboard. But, man, we got to refuel. Psalm 91 says this. He who dwells in the secret place or the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. See, Jesus talked about abiding. So, so clearly he would call people to follow. He would call people to abide and remain. Uh, There was this sense that Jesus understood it's not just about you following the, the initial following on the journey. It's about you learning to remain and to abide, to stay connected, to stay in that relationship. And I'm telling you, you're busy, I'm busy. We've all got goals. all got the same amount of hours in a day, in a week. I'm telling you, anything and everything in life is trying to pull us away from relationship and exchange. Every single thing in your life is screaming at you, telling you it's so important. And when we get away from this, we get into sin that we never planned to get into. Or when we get away from this, we get comfortable with sin that we know relationship and exchange would guide us away from. I won't hop into bed with anybody that I know is not my wife if I know how God feels about it. And she'll kill me, too. But I also know that the truth is it's not just about what I can do. It's about the type of life and the holiness that God is calling me to as an individual. What God is calling me to, not just what he doesn't want me to do, but who he's trying to make me to be, who he's trying to shape me to be. What he really has for me at the table is far more beautiful than some one-night stand. Or some physical exchange with someone, or some illegal exchange, something going on in our lives that that how did we even get here? Some of the best people I know have fallen into some of the greatest traps. Not because they're bad people. It's not because they don't know the word. It's not because they don't pray. It's because they got away from relationship and exchanged. They stopped feeding at the right table, started eating at the wrong tables. See, he says the person who dwells. In the shelter of the most high, the person who dwells, not just visits. There's a difference between habitation and visitation. Habitation is that place where we live. It's, it's learning to dwell with God. Like, where, where do you dwell? Most of your time, where are we dwelling? As a church community, well, what is the strength of our church? What is our church known for? Like, when people have an exchange with you, Oh, that's the guy who goes to Grace Avenue. Oh, that's the woman who goes to Grace Avenue. Is the change between you and them something where, where you are so filled at the table with God that now that individual is filled as well? Have you ever been somebody like you around them for 20 seconds, and you know they've been spending time with God? Every word that comes out of their mouth, you're like ready to cry. You're ready to fall, pass out. Like, what honor? How did you know that? Where did that come from? That's what I needed to hear. Oh, I was thinking, the verse, exactly what I needed to hear. Like a, they've been feeding. They've been feeding on the bread of life. See, at the table is where God wants to teach you, not just to visit, but where to dwell. You're invited to the table. In fact, Revelation 3.20, he says this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, the table is a table. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be an expensive table, it can be an inexpensive table, but you're invited to it and you're gonna find grace in it. But what is the grace that you find? See, in the Old Testament, the presence of God was was hosted through what you would see as the bread of the presence, the loaves of bread. The priests would prepare this, it was to be sat on the table in the Old Testament at all times this would host the presence of God. Now, that presence is Jesus. Now that presence is who he is, what he accomplished on the cross. Now, what makes my access to the table possible is what Jesus did on the cross. What makes relationship and exchange take place is not how bad I've been or even how good I've been, but how good Jesus is and all he's accomplished. Now the cross, the symbol of grace in our life, the symbol of forgiveness, the symbol of of taking all of my sin and all of my shame and all of my issues and all of my brokenness and all of my inconsistencies, I can come to the table on my best day or my worst day and know I have access. Not because of me, but because of what Jesus did. The cross. The cross. Gives us access. Some of us today may feel kind of like we don't feel a sense of worthiness. Can I tell you, it's not about your worthiness; it's about His worthiness. Well, I don't feel like I've measured up in this last season. I I I I don't feel like I've done the things I should have done. I even made some promises to God that I haven't fulfilled. Well, hey. I've done that before. We've all done that before. And what does Jesus call us back to in those times? He calls us back to relationship. I'm asking you to change your diet, to adjust it, to let the most satisfying meal of your life be the thing that really fulfills you. There's so many things that lifted off of me. When I look back, I was talking to my wife about this. Last week, as we were just talking about people's stories and what people are walking through, not from a sense of like, oh, I'm better than that, or I don't deal with that. I just realize many of the things people are dealing with, God lifted off of me at the table. Or I'd come to him in worship, and a simple worship song would shatter my heart again. And open my heart and make it tender again instead of hard or anxious or frustrated. And it would soften me to be able to hear the spirit of God in a way that I couldn't hear before, full of anxiety or full of fear. I never felt the presence of God so strong than last year when my wife was in the hospital and we just played worship music while she was unconscious. We didn't know she was going to come out of this unconsciousness. All we did was play worship music in that moment. See, the enemy at that time was the unknown, not knowing whether she would live or die. That was the enemy. I set a table in the presence of my enemy. And in that moment, I saw God heal me, keep me strong, feed me with the nourishment I needed to be able to go and live and lead and pray. It's not super dad. It's not super husband. It's not super human. It's what I'm feeding on. And my enemies are present. The enemies of fear, the enemies of anxiety, the enemies of stress. I'm calling you to learn to dwell, church. Learn to dwell. You can dwell. It doesn't have to be a perfect situation. It doesn't have to be a Sunday service. My greatest times with God when I first got saved were 30 minutes before work. I would show up 30 minutes before, and I would just listen to teaching, listen to worship, open the Word. I would set my day with the right meal For the demons I knew I had to slay that day. For the people I knew I had to encounter or deal with. I learned how to feed right to have strength for the day. Can we be a church that feeds well? Can we be a church that values relationship and exchange? Not at the expense that we so often see happening. Which is where we're just constantly filled with busyness. Let's think about dwelling. Amen. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.